Thank God today, and this is Pastor Adams, President and Founder of Truth Matters Ministries in Atlanta, Georgia. Thank the Lord once again for you being and tuning into our Truth Matters podcast, and we're just so delighted to be hosts in attendance of this very vital ministry of contending for the faith that has once been delivered unto the saints according to Jude 3. And we're going to be continuing today and uh, giving a summary on our exposition and examination of Islam. Before we do, we want to pause and pray. Thank you, Holy God, for all that you are and who you are. We thank you because we know that you're God. You're worthy of praise. We thank you today, Lord, that you loved us with an everlasting love. Lord, you even predestinated that we would be your sons and daughters. We thank you that we existed in your foreknowledge. We thank you, God, that you've always been our good shepherd. You've always been our counselor. We thank you today, Lord, that you've been a mediator. You've been our high priest. We give you glory today because you've been a friend that sticks closer than any brother. We thank you for being the captain of our salvation. We thank you, Lord God, for being the Lord of our lives. We glorify you. We lift you up today. Bless someone who's going through trials and tests. Lord, you give strength, give hope. Lord, give, Lord, liberty to those who are bound and those who are cast down today. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ that someone will lay a hold of your word, will embrace your truth, and that they'll see your marvelous light and find how to walk out of darkness. We thank you today that you have no respect of person. Save someone today. Deliver someone today. Let your word fall upon good ground. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. And so true are the words of Benjamin Franklin. He said that half a truth is nothing more than a great lie. So true are the words of Patrick Fitzgerald, who was a lead prosecuting attorney in the infamous Scooter Libby trial. He said, truth is the engine of our justice system. And he says, without truth, we don't have anything. No wonder when we go into court and legal proceedings, we put left hands on Bibles and right hands in the air and we affirm to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Why? Because truth matters today. In this Truth Matters podcast, we're going to continue in our exposition on Islam. We're going to finish up uh, our examination of the Quran. See, one of the things that many people have misunderstood about the Quran and overlooked is that the Quran is filled with legalism that categorically contradicts the New Testament. When you read Romans 14 and Colossians 2, it tells us that God's people, that there are no legal restrictions in areas such as eating food. The Quran contradicts God's word. The Bible says we're saved by grace through faith, according to Ephesians 2 and 8, 9. The Quran says it's by works. And it's also by deeds. Imagine, if you will, if the president of the United States called a news conference to announce that the United States was about to declare war on North Korea and that they had already deployed 10 army and air force and military divisions and four Navy battle groups just to start this war with North Korea. And then within 10 minutes, Let's say Mayor de Blasio from New York, he calls a news conference and he states that the United States is not going to war and that we're only monitoring events that are occurring in Asia. 
would you believe the president or the commander in chief of the United States? Or would you believe Mayor de Blasio? See, Muslims are asking the world to put confidence in the words of a prophet who didn't even have the authority of Jesus Christ. Neither did he have the credibility of Jesus' life. What do we mean? See, Muslims have accepted the shallow, baseless conclusions that the Bible is corrupted. My question is, how many Muslims have really performed a complete examination of the inerrancy of Holy Scripture in the Bible? I'd say few at best. And if you're a Muslim and if you are listening to this podcast, and if you've been told that the Bible is corrupted, it has no validity, I ask you to go read a book called Evidence That Demands a Verdict by Josh McDowell. And then the other book that is called New Evidence That Demands a Verdict by Josh McDowell. I would also recommend that you read a book called Christian Apologetics by Norman Geisler. I believe it would really help you very, very much. See, Truth Matters would like to highlight and discuss an area that we find problematic within the Quran. And we've basically talked about it on our last podcast, but we want to just also mention that it's the Islamic prerogative that is called abrogation. Abrogation is a legal term referring to the destruction or the annulling of a former law by an act or by some legislative power. Surah 2, 100 through 106 says, And for whatsoever verse we abrogate or cast into oblivion, we bring one better or like it. So Islam considers this substitution progressive revelation. If the Quran is the eternal speech of God, our question is, why does it need to be altered or modified? If it's eternal speech, how can eternal speech be altered or modified? It's almost like I remember, uh, you know, within the African, African-American community, many women will go to the beauty parlor and they would get some, some lye put in their hair because their hair is kinky and nappy. And they say, I'm going to go get me a perm. I'm going to get me a permanent. And my question has always been, well, if it's permanent, why do you have to get it every two weeks if it's permanent? Obviously, it's not permanent. My point is, if the Quran is eternal speech, why does it need to be changed or altered? Is Allah confused? Is he like human beings who makes mistakes concerning his will? See, the Bible is so different than the Quran. The Bible does not change, alter, or abrogate. What does the Bible do? The Bible fulfills. If the Quran can be abrogated, we run into several theological problems. What are some of them? Number one, the Quran cannot be trusted because it contains divinely inspired contradictions. How can we be certain that what his will is today won't change tomorrow. Number two, how can we have confidence in the Quran concerning Muhammad being the so-called last prophet? Abrogation allows the possibility that it can change and announce that another prophet with an entirely contrary and contradictory revelations 
can come on the horizon. Number three, if God can abrogate his eternal speech, then we can't be confident concerning even our eternal souls or our eternal rewards or our salvation. Number four, if abrogation is is valid, what does it really do? It taints God. Why? He has cast divine revelation beneficial for mankind into oblivion. Or he is not good or he's not all-knowing to have made a decision or even to make another deletion. And number five, if the Muslim God is not consistent, then his creatures have no foundation for morality nor ethics. Morals must be absolute. They must be universal and they must also be invariant or we would be autonomous, lacking divine standards. Those are some very important items and principles to consider when you look at the, the concept of abrogation. In summary, the Quran, the Quran that we that we have discussed over the last few episodes, we respect the rights of all Muslims to uphold it above the Bible and to look to it to guide their daily religious practice. We respect that. However, we have concluded from our research that it was not revealed by the Holy Spirit. It did not come from the mouth of Gabriel as claimed. The Quran disqualifies itself as a modern revelation from God because it contradicts the Bible that Muslims claim is also from God. Its systems of morals and sacraments reintroduce legalism and ordinances that Jesus nailed to the cross, according to Colossians 2. The God of the Quran, Allah, is a derivative of the pagan gods of Mecca. Finally, the origin of the Quran is later than the Bible. And because of that, it's filled with Eastern and Jewish tradition. This confirms it was birthed from the hearts of men and consistent and ripe for a very fertile imagination of that culture. The Quran, it includes jihad as a condition of faith and early Muslims believed it was their sacred duty to murder anyone who would not embrace the one true faith, Islam. Contemporary Islam is much more moderate. However, there are several factions that talk of being one one of the essentials of the Islamic faith. What do I mean by essentials? The practice of jihad. We're going to just shift gears for the few moments that we have left in this podcast. And we're going to just talk about a much smaller uh, and less uh, notable faction of Islam. And it's called the Nation of Islam. The Nation of Islam is a branch of unorthodox Islam. They are known as the Black Muslims or the NOI or the Nation of Islam. We at Truth Matters don't commit much space to this aspect of Islam for it is relatively minute, confined to the inner cities of Black America. Briefly, the movement was derived from a group called the Moorish American Science Temple in Newark, New Jersey, back in 1913 by one Timothy Drew Wallace Farad. Muhammad. He was a white magician from New Zealand who had been arrested and served in San Quentin for selling 
heroin, then finally moving to Chicago and then Detroit. Once there, he met one Dwight Poole who changed his name to Elijah Muhammad. Farrar Farrar, uh, was embraced as God, or he was Allah in human form, by the black Muslims. So they thought that this white man, Farrar Muhammad, was God. And Elijah was his messenger sent from God. The members grew to over 300,000 under Elijah. And they grew to that number chiefly due to the installing of Malcolm X as its national minister. Malcolm X and the nation preached a black supremacy and that whites were blonde-haired, blue-eyed devils. The nation advocated segregation and independence from whites. The dietary and five pillars of Islam were adopted, but synthesized its teachings towards a downtrodden and discriminated black American culture. Elijah Muhammad, he fathered several children from young Muslim girls and was succeeded by his son, Warith Muhammad, after his death in 1977. The Honorable Louis Farrakhan, he broke away from the new movement and maintained all of Elijah's original original beliefs. Today, you can still see many members of the movement selling the Final Call magazine or newspaper. The Final Call is a primarily a publication that informs of organizational events, views, and provides a source of solicitation. The hard racist stance that Farrakhan once held has been quite tempered over the last 10 years. It was common to see him on television berating the white Jesus, black Christians attending churches versus the Muslim uh, the Muslim mosque. He surrounded himself with men such as Khalid Abdul Muhammad, who has recently passed away, who was the national spokesman for the NOI in the 90s. In addition, was very well educated and a strong warrior for the liberation of black Americans. He endured reprimands from the Senate and the the Nation of Islam leader Louis Farrakhan due to the vitriol and condemnation towards white supremacy and the documented facts of Jews being involved in the slave trade. Abdul Muhammad, he actually called Barbara Walters a white Jew witch. He was notorious for calling black leaders like Martin Luther King and Jesse Jackson and others Uncle Toms and House Negroes. He praised the murder of eight white people on the Long Island train in the 90s and spouted a hell of rebukes towards Jews. While Khalid Muhammad was a soldier for African causes and their liberation. But today, Farrakhan has perfected the art of spiritual camouflage. He uses every biblical term. He speaks of Jesus, God, heaven, salvation, very much like the classic black preacher. He speaks very little of black supremacy or searing claims of whites being devils. When we see the presentation of him today, he appears to have shifted in order to be more appealing to mainstream blacks. The high, the real hardline platform that was tailor-made for a more overt racist 60s is not appealing today. As a result, he is being embraced by so many in the black church. You find so many pastors sharing pulpits with him now, providing their facilities for his events. We at Truth Matters, we love Louis Farrakhan and we stand with him against bigotry and hatred and racism and social injustice and police brutality. We share in his call for financial independence and overcoming illiteracy and poverty among peoples of color. However, we at Truth Matters are not asleep concerning Farrakhan's strategy. 
he is attempting to win supporters and then unveil his venomous Islamic positions. We have questions today. Has Farrakhan ever denounced the proclaimed Prophet Muhammad? No. Has he renounced Master Farad was God? No. Has Farrakhan renounced Elijah Muhammad as being a modern Jesus? Mm-mm. Has Farrakhan denounced his affiliation with Islam? No. Has he denounced or has he verbalized the fact that the Quran contradicts the Bible and that it is not an inspired document? I haven't heard it. Has he stopped observing the ordinances of Islam? No. Is he a member of any recognized Christian body, whether it's Baptist, whether it's Pentecostal, whether it's Methodist, Lutheran? No, he hasn't. Does Farrakhan have a testimony that he was saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone? I've never heard that testimony. Has he testified that Jesus was God and the Bible is the only inspired book? No, he hasn't. See, Islam is a false and sometimes socially dangerous religion that has done little for mankind. When you look at the total results of what the Islamic world has produced economically, socially, morally, it is a far cry from what God promised through Christ. May the Muslim be free from the daily system of works, hoping that their efforts will be good enough. I pray they find peace true joy and love that only can come through God of the Bible and through his son Jesus Christ who is the one who paid the price for all of our sins on Calvary remember friend Muhammad is dead he didn't pay for your sins Jesus did and Jesus is alive today I challenge any Muslim to study his word, to call on Jesus' name through prayer and repentance. He'll answer you. And not only will he answer you, he will give to you the greatest gift that any man can ever receive, and that is eternal life with Jesus Christ in the new heaven and the new earth. He'll write your name in the Lamb's book of life, and you can live with Jesus Christ eternally. Now, Father, we thank you for this examination and exposition on Islam. And we thank you today for every person who considers himself a Muslim who has listened to this podcast. I pray that you would loose all of the shackles and all the chains that have bound them. I pray that you would let the marvelous light of your words shine unto them that they may have freedom and liberty in Christ Jesus. I pray, Lord, that you would cause them to break from the yoke of works, the burden of deeds in all the rituals and sacraments and ordinances that Jesus Christ has made us free from. Lord, let them walk in your love let them walk in your patience. Let them walk in your power. Let them come to know you as a loving father, 
a personal savior, a friend that will never leave them nor forsake them. Lord, we love you today. Lord, we give your name the praise. And it's in Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank God today, and this is Pastor Adams, President and Founder of Truth Matters Ministries in Atlanta, Georgia. Thank the Lord once again for you being and tuning into our Truth Matters podcast, and we're just so delighted to be hosts in attendance of this very vital ministry of contending for the faith that has once been delivered unto the saints according to Jude 3. And we're going to be continuing today and uh, giving a summary on our exposition and examination of Islam. Before we do, we want to pause and pray. Thank you, Holy God, for all that you are and who you are. We thank you because we know that you're God. You're worthy of praise. We thank you today, Lord, that you loved us with an everlasting love. Lord, you even predestinated that we would be your sons and daughters. We thank you that we existed in your foreknowledge. We thank you, God, that you've always been our good shepherd. You've always been our counselor. We thank you today, Lord, that you've been a mediator. You've been our high priest. We give you glory today because you've been a friend that sticks closer than any brother. We thank you for being the captain of our salvation. We thank you, Lord God, for being the Lord of our lives. We glorify you. We lift you up today. Bless someone who's going through trials and tests. Lord, you give strength, give hope. Lord, give, Lord, liberty to those who are bound and those who are cast down today. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ that someone will lay a hold of your word, will embrace your truth, and that they'll see your marvelous light and find how to walk out of darkness. We thank you today that you have no respect of person. Save someone today. Deliver someone today. Let your word fall upon good ground. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. And so true are the words of Benjamin Franklin. He said that half a truth is nothing more than a great lie. So true are the words of Patrick Fitzgerald, who was a lead prosecuting attorney in the infamous Scooter Libby trial. He said, truth is the engine of our justice system. And he says, without truth, we don't have anything. No wonder when we go into court and legal proceedings, we put left hands on Bibles and right hands in the air and we affirm to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Why? Because truth matters today. In this Truth Matters podcast, we're going to continue in our exposition on Islam. We're going to finish up uh, our examination of the Quran. See, one of the things that many people have misunderstood about the Quran and overlooked is that the Quran is filled with legalism that categorically contradicts the New Testament. When you read Romans 14 and Colossians 2, it tells us that God's people, that there are no legal restrictions in areas such as eating food. The Quran contradicts God's word. The Bible says we're saved by grace through faith, according to Ephesians 2 and 8, 9. The Quran says it's by works. And it's also by deeds. Imagine, if you will, if the president 
of the United States called a news conference to announce that the United States was about to declare war on North Korea and that they had already deployed 10 army and air force and military divisions and four navy battle groups just to start this war with North Korea. And then within 10 minutes, let's say Mayor de Blasio from New York, he calls a news conference and he states that the United States is not going to war and that we're only monitoring events that are occurring in Asia. Would you believe the president or the commander in chief of the United States? Or would you believe Mayor de Blasio? See, Muslims are asking the world to put confidence in the words of a prophet who didn't even have the authority of Jesus Christ. Neither did he have the credibility of Jesus' life. What do we mean? See, Muslims have accepted the shallow, baseless conclusions that the Bible is corrupted. My question is, how many Muslims have really performed a complete examination of the inerrancy of Holy Scripture in the Bible? I'd say few at best. And if you're a Muslim and if you are listening to this podcast, and if you've been told that the Bible is corrupted, it has no validity, I ask you to go read a book called Evidence That Demands a Verdict by Josh McDowell. And then the other book that is called New Evidence That Demands a Verdict by Josh McDowell. I would also recommend that you read a book called Christian Apologetics by Norman Geisler. I believe it would really help you very, very much. See, Truth Matters would like to highlight and discuss an area that we find problematic within the Quran. And we've basically talked about it on our last podcast, but we want to just also mention that it's the Islamic prerogative that is called abrogation. Abrogation is a legal term referring to the destruction or the annulling of a former law by an act or by some legislative power. Surah 2, 100 through 106 says, And for whatsoever verse we abrogate or cast into oblivion, we bring one better or like it. So Islam considers this substitution progressive revelation. If the Quran is the eternal speech of God, our question is, why does it need to be altered or modified? If it's eternal speech, how can eternal speech be altered or modified? It's almost like I remember, uh, you know, within the African-American community, many women will go to the beauty parlor and they would get some, some lye put in their hair because their hair is kinky and nappy. And they say, I'm going to go get me a perm. I'm going to get me a permanent. And my question has always been, well, if it's permanent, why do you have to get it every two weeks if it's permanent? Obviously, it's not permanent. My point is, if the Quran is eternal speech, why does it need to be changed or altered? Is Allah confused? Is he like human beings who makes mistakes concerning his will? See, the Bible is so different than the Quran. The Bible does not change, alter, or abrogate. What does the Bible do? The Bible fulfills. If the Quran can be abrogated, we run into several theological problems. What are some of them? 
Number one, the Quran cannot be trusted because it contains divinely inspired contradictions. How can we be certain that what his will is today won't change tomorrow? Number two, how can we have confidence in the Quran concerning Muhammad being the so-called last prophet? Abrogation allows the possibility that it can change and announce that another prophet with an entirely contrary and contradictory revelations can come on the horizon. Number three, if God can abrogate his eternal speech, then we can't be confident concerning even our eternal souls or our eternal rewards or our salvation. Number four, if abrogation is vile, is valid, what does it really do? It taints God. Why? He has cast divine revelation beneficial for mankind into oblivion. Or he is not good or he's not all-knowing to have made a decision or even to make another deletion. And number five, if the Muslim God is not consistent, then his creatures have no foundation for morality nor ethics. Morals must be absolute. They must be universal and they must also be invariant or we would be autonomous lacking divine standards. Those are some very important items and principles to consider when you look at the, the concept of abrogation. In summary, the Quran, the Quran that we that we have discussed over the last few episodes, we respect the rights of all Muslims to uphold it above the Bible and to look to it to guide their daily religious practice. We respect that. However, we have concluded from our research that it was not revealed by the Holy Spirit. It did not come from the mouth of Gabriel as claimed. The Quran disqualifies itself as a modern revelation from God because it contradicts the Bible that Muslims claim is also from God. Its systems of morals and sacraments reintroduce legalism and ordinances that Jesus nailed to the cross, according to Colossians 2. The God of the Quran, Allah, is a derivative of the pagan gods of Mecca. Finally, the origin of the Quran is later than the Bible. And because of that, it's filled with Eastern and Jewish tradition. This confirms it was birthed from the hearts of men and consistent and ripe for a very fertile imagination of that culture. The Quran, it includes jihad as a condition of faith and early Muslims believed it was their sacred duty to murder anyone who would not embrace the one true faith, Islam. Contemporary Islam is much more moderate, however, there are several factions that talk of being one, one of the essentials of the Islamic faith. What do I mean by essentials? The practice of jihad. And we're going to just shift gears for the few moments that we have left in this podcast. And we're going to just talk about a much smaller uh, and less uh, notable faction of Islam. And it's called the Nation of Islam. 
The Nation of Islam is a branch of unorthodox Islam. They are known as the Black Muslims or the NOI or the Nation of Islam. We at Truth Matters don't commit much space to this aspect of Islam for it is relatively minute, confined to the inner cities of Black America. Briefly, the movement was derived from a group called the Moorish American Science Temple in Newark, New Jersey back in 1913 by one Timothy Drew Wallace Farad Muhammad. He was a white magician from New Zealand who had been arrested and served in San Quentin for selling heroin, then finally moving to Chicago and then Detroit. Once there, he met one Dwight Poole who changed his name to Elijah Muhammad. Farad, Farad uh, was embraced as God or he was Allah in human form by the black Muslims. So they thought that this white man, Farad Muhammad, was God. And Elijah was his messenger sent from God. The members grew to over 300,000 under Elijah. And they grew to that number chiefly due to the installing of Malcolm X as its national minister. Malcolm X and the nation preached a black supremacy and that whites were blonde-haired, blue-eyed devils. The nation advocated segregation and independence from whites. The dietary and five pillars of Islam were adopted, but synthesized its teachings towards a downtrodden and discriminated black American culture. Elijah Muhammad, he fathered several children from young Muslim girls and was succeeded by his son, Warith Muhammad, after his death in 1977. The Honorable Louis Farrakhan, he broke away from the new movement and maintained all of Elijah's original original beliefs. Today, you can still see many members of the movement selling the Final Call magazine or newspaper. The Final Call is a primarily a publication that informs of organizational events, views, and provides a source of solicitation. The hard racist stance that Farrakhan once held has been quite tempered over the last 10 years. It was common to see him on television berating the white Jesus, black Christians attending churches versus the Muslim, uh, the Muslim mosque. He surrounded himself with men such as Khalid Abdul Muhammad, who has recently passed away, who was the national spokesman for the NOI in the 90s. In addition, was very well educated and a strong warrior for the liberation of black Americans. He endured reprimands from the Senate and the the Nation of Islam leader Louis Farrakhan due to the vitriol and condemnation towards white supremacy and the documented facts of Jews being involved in the slave trade. Abdul Muhammad, he actually called Barbara Walters a white Jew witch. He was notorious for calling black leaders like Martin Luther King and Jesse Jackson and others Uncle Toms and House Negroes. He praised the murder of eight white people on the Long Island train in the 90s and spouted a hell of rebukes towards Jews. While Khalid Muhammad was a soldier for African causes and their liberation. But today, Farrakhan has perfected the art of spiritual camouflage. He uses every biblical term. He speaks of Jesus, God, heaven, salvation, very much like the classic black preacher. He speaks very little of black supremacy or searing claims of whites being devils. When we see the presentation of him today, he appears to have shifted in order to be more appealing to mainstream blacks. The, high, the real hardline platform 
that was tailor-made for a more overt racist 60s is not appealing today. As a result, he is being embraced by so many in the black church. You find so many pastors sharing pulpits with him now, providing their facilities for his events. We at Truth Matters, we love Louis Farrakhan and we stand with him against bigotry and hatred and racism and social injustice and police brutality. We share in his call for financial independence and overcoming illiteracy and poverty among peoples of color. However, we at Truth Matters are not asleep concerning Farrakhan's strategy. He is attempting to win supporters and then unveil his venomous Islamic positions. We have questions today. Has Farrakhan ever denounced the proclaimed prophet Muhammad? No. Has he renounced Master Farad was God? No. Has Farrakhan renounced Elijah Muhammad as being a modern Jesus? Mm-mm. Has Farrakhan denounced his affiliation with Islam? No. Has he denounced or has he verbalized the fact that the Quran contradicts the Bible and that it is not an inspired document? I haven't heard it. Has he stopped observing the ordinances of Islam? No. Is he a member of any recognized Christian body, whether it's Baptist, whether it's Pentecostal, whether it's Methodist, Lutheran? No, he hasn't. Does Farrakhan have a testimony that he was saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone? I've never heard that testimony. Has he testified that Jesus was God and the Bible is the only inspired book? No, he hasn't. See, Islam is a false and sometimes socially dangerous religion that has done little for mankind. When you look at the total results of what the Islamic world has produced economically, socially, morally, it is a far cry from what God promised through Christ. May the Muslim be free from the daily system of works, hoping that their efforts will be good enough. I pray they find peace, true joy and love that only can come through God of the Bible and through his son, Jesus Christ, who is the one who paid the price for all of our sins on Calvary. Remember, friend, Muhammad is dead. He didn't pay for your sins. Jesus did. And Jesus is alive today. I challenge any Muslim to study his word, to call on Jesus' name through prayer and repentance. He'll answer you. And not only will he answer you, he will give to you the greatest gift that any man can ever receive, and that is eternal life with Jesus Christ in the new heaven and the new earth. He'll write your name in the Lamb's book of life and you can live with Jesus Christ eternally. Now, Father, we thank you for this examination and exposition on Islam. And we thank you today for every person who considers himself a Muslim who has listened to this podcast. I pray that you would loose all of the shackles and all the chains that have bound them 
I pray that you would let the marvelous light of your word shine unto them, that they might have freedom and liberty in Christ Jesus. I pray, Lord, that you would cause them to break from the yoke of works, the burden of deeds, in all the rituals and sacraments and ordinances that Jesus Christ has made us free from. Lord, let them walk in your love. Let them walk in your patience. Let them walk in your power. Let them come to know you as a loving father, a personal savior, a friend that will never leave them nor forsake them. Lord, we love you today. Lord, we give your name the praise. And it's in Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.